The information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. You should consult your doctor, specialist, or physical trainer for advice on your physical wellness goals before you plan to follow any of the suggestions or recommendations in this podcast. Hello. Hola. Marhaba. Welcome to the Astro About Wellness Podcast. Join me, Shazana Sunny. And the Astro Duo Asfar Azman And Azima Azman Your host from New York. York Let's strive to educate, regenerate and elevate family institutions Through optimal productivity and wellness education One episode, episode at, at a time. time Are you ready? To listen to inspirational stories of trust, respect Acceptance, integrity, love, and social responsibility for multicultural families and special needs communities. Sit back and relax and be inspired by the awesome people that we highlight in the first segment of the podcast. Welcome back to the Ask Trio About Wellness podcast. This episode is co-sponsored by Hadi Kamsani and my dad, Azman Ripin. Thank you and may God bless you. Hello, may peace be upon you. You are listening to the 33rd episode of the podcast with me, Shazana, and the Astro Duo, Athfar and Adima. In segment one of the previous episode, we shared our experience trying out archery for the first time. We had so much fun with Coach Farah of Traditional Archers Singapore. We were so curious to know what motivated Coach Farah's husband, Alfian Arif, to establish traditional archery in modern Singapore and why traditional archery is a great sport for families. Yeah! So, let's move on to our interview with Traditional Archers Singapore and welcome its founder... Alfian Arif Woohoo! May peace be upon you What's the first question for Brother Alfian? Adima? Question 1 What inspired you to establish traditional archer Singapore? We were inspired by traditional games and also Asuna games which were not highlighted in the community in Singapore Traditional archery is one of the highly recommended games in Islam we know that we have modern archery all around the world, in Singapore uh, especially, but because there's no traditional archery in Singapore, I began to search for it through the region. And then I found my teacher who is in Kuala Lumpur, in Malaysia, uh, and I started from there. In the community itself, we are known to highlight more on modern society, modern technology. So this really inspires uh, me more to actually pick up traditional archery. With traditional actually comes with traditional learning. Traditional learning is more of how we have to really be with the teacher. How I started is not entirely uh, starting with actually itself, but then uh, to wake up early 4.30 in the morning to do my tahajud, my najat, my my all the other sunnah prayers. And then from there, uh, I started at, I mean, I started to do that at least maybe about one month before my teacher actually start to teach. 
archery itself. Uh, I have to do some other works like doing cucuk tanam, uh, doing some plant works and do some other works I thought which is not related to archery, uh, like pulling bands. Uh, it was quite tough because it is the testing of our ego, our patience. Uh, at least about six to nine months, I have to go through all that before the traditional actually learning actually start. The beautiful thing about this is that it actually lifted my own spirituality and my focus even before the actually program starts. Through the traditional actually learning, right, what I discovered was there was actually a, a batch of Malay armies that is actually part of the conquest of Constantinople or conquest of Istanbul. Although this is not known by many people, we have seen murals, which is in Romania, where the first line of uh, the army is a Malay, Malay man with Tanja. I have an archer friend in Romania, so I asked him about these specific murals, which is said to be on the churches of Romania. So he confirmed with me on the mural. Then that actually confirmed the fact that there's existence of Malay army, the Malay regiment actually, in Sultan Fatih's army. Hmm. So, Brother Alfian founded Traditional Archers Singapore out of his love for this Sunnah spot and wanting to do his bit for social responsibility so as to preserve this spot from disappearing in modern Singapore. Okay. Let's move on to the second question. Question two. Why do you recommend archery as a sport for both Muslims and people of other faiths? As we know, uh, Nusantara itself is one of the earliest civilizations in the world. So, it is sad to say in the community now, there is no highlight or nothing has been brought up about traditional or instinctive way of hunting, You know, because through modernization, we have lost touch of all this. In our programs, traditional archery enhances the instinctive features of a person. It is already in that person. Traditional archery is more on yourself, enhancing your capabilities rather than depending on equipments. But for traditional archery, you know, you have a bow and then you have arrow. So the main focus in traditional archery is to use your uh, instinct or mata hati, they call it Malay. In traditional archery also, we have uh, features like walking while shooting or jumping while shooting. Uh, so this actually helps in your hand and mind coordination or mind and body coordination. Unlike, um, you know, rifles, you know, I mean, it's very hard to see that unless you are really in the army, then you have to walk and shoot as a recreational sport. Traditional archery, we can walk and shoot, jump and shoot. And then we also have running uh, over obstacles and shoot. So this, these are the ones that actually help you advance your, your instinctive features. International competitions uh, in traditional actually, uh, we have games like, for example, in Hungary, we have three different settings of competition. The first day, uh, we have a forest setting, which is like hunting. Where they have 3D targets of bears or pigeons, which are hidden. But then we don't know the actual distance of that target. So it is how well you understand your bows and arrows. Another example of setting is we shoot from the tower of a castle. We have never experienced that before in Singapore. 
So in Hungary, this is what I experienced. At a height of maybe seven stories and then shooting down, the target is directly down and we have to do stances called Jamarki, which is an example of shooting down the well during the war times or shooting down the castle wall where the enemy soldiers are climbing up the castle uh, on the wall and then those archers on the, on the wall shooting downwards. So it's not a straightforward shooting. And then we also have, like I said earlier, dynamic runs where we have to run to a certain station and while panting, we have to calm ourselves down to shoot certain targets and then run again. Like for example, in Malaysia, we did this competition called uh, the Spartan Archery where we have to run at least 400 meters. I myself seldom jog, but then at the end of that competition, my, my legs were really stressed. I couldn't move my legs, so I was just lying down. My archer friends were, oh, relax, relax, relax. Like, you know, I have to really calm down my, my legs. Were really stiff <laughs> at the point of time. These are kind of experience that we actually joined Parisha Archery for. Bravo! Did you know that you can show your support for the Astro About Awareness podcast by shopping at our online shop? Before we end segment one, we'd like to invite you once again to check out Astro Velo Shop Apparel for Women and Kids in America at https colon forward slash forward slash astrovelo.shop.social Free shipping for delivery in the USA for any orders above $59. Stay tuned to segment one in the next episode. And listen to stories of trust, respect, acceptance, integrity, love and social responsibility. Coming up next... In the second segment of the podcast, we'll learn about productivity and the nine dimensions of wellness. Physical, emotional, environmental, spiritual, social, intellectual, mental, occupational, and financial wellness. So we can survive and thrive in this unpredictable world. Welcome back to segment two of the show. Today is the third part of the occupational wellness with Miss Farida Jamal from Singapore. Hello, Miss Farida. Hello, hello, world. What's our next question for Miss Farida, Adima? Question 3A. During the start of COVID 19 in 2020, did your work shift to online work from home or remote? Yes, it did. At first, there was a total lull between mid-March till end of June 2020. It definitely affected my income from Angklung teaching. It was for a while quite a good time to spend at home to do things that I never got to do. We were lucky that in Singapore, we could still go out to shop for groceries and food within our neighborhood and to get other essential services. It was certainly very boring not to have any actual work done in schools and definitely no performances nor social and performing arts events to attend to or to conduct. 
being a very hands-on musician and music instructor or teacher, I was not very adept at ICT. This was impetus for me to learn to manage digital work and the basic equipment necessary for online work, including meetings and webinars for various interests. How long was Singapore on lockdown? How did you come to terms with having to stay at home, quarantine, practice social distancing, or no overseas travel? The circuit breaker or partial lockdown in Singapore pushed me to have more online communication with all my contacts. Over time, we actually enjoyed uh, Zoom sessions as it meant we could reach out to the larger audience and global platform without spending time and money for actual traveling. At the same time, like all others, I certainly miss traveling, particularly for the Hari Raya celebrations in Malaysia. My mother and I used to go up north to spend the holidays with my brother and his family and other relatives who live in Kuala Lumpur. I had to cancel my business trip to Indonesia and instead order my Anglo instruments to be shipped to me or the schools. The pause in leisure travel, which would usually include spa and massage sessions, was definitely a snag in my joy. I spent more time walking and exercising in the neighborhood parks. I suffered too for a while when swimming was not allowed. From July onwards, after the opening of phase one, Instructors and coaches could begin our online teaching with our students after the academic teachers had had their first experience. It helped us to reconnect with our students and colleagues. It made us rethink our teaching methodologies and to be digitally resourceful and creative. From August to Many Singaporeans had started attending or conducting face-to-face -face events and trainings with restrictions in the number of participants. This was a definite plus for us. I attended a course in safety in food handling, which was compulsory for all volunteers wishing to serve the community. I joined the Alliance of Singapore in a nationwide cookie baking and then mooncake making for the elderly. In November, the Ministry of Health relaxed the restrictions a little for the Ministry of Education. Thus, school activities could return to normal while enforcing the regulations like compulsory mask wearing, safe entry and social distancing. This definitely gave us much relief. It was so good to be back to work again and carry out lessons and co-curricular activities. Oh, I feel you. Alhamdulillah. The Singapore government has finally made many new changes in late 2021. And with recent changes, Singapore has returned to almost like pre-COVID times. People are now allowed to gather again in larger groups and no more PCR or ART tests for travellers coming to Singapore. Yay! Now, what's the next question, Adima? Question 3B. What are you doing to make sure that you and your family members are staying healthy and engaged throughout the years? We practice heightened personal hygiene, partake in regular exercise and consume more warm water and healthy food. 
We took advantage of the opening of nature reserves, beaches and restaurants and started going to these places at least once a week for our family getaway and thus regain a good level of sanity and normalcy. We could receive visitors to our home according to the fixed number allowed, five and then eight. Thus, it was very good for my mother and my relatives for that very important family reconnection. Wow! I love what you did. Hmm, what's next, Adima? Question 3C. Despite all the anxiety and confusion in the, an unpredictable world, how are you and your family moving forward and giving back to your community? I'm blessed to still be able to hold on to my career and work for schools. Like many others who had a big cut, or loss in our salaries earlier. I later received the government's help of a fixed advanced salary. This gave me the golden opportunity to continue teaching my students and more importantly, to prepare them for 2021 and the Singapore Youth Festival. My involvement with the RCKG is also inspiring me to spur on connecting with the different levels of community. At the moment, my team is initiating service to the DOT, that's Daughters of Tomorrow, an NGO working for the betterment of women who are marginalized or going through a very challenging time. How exciting! Yeah! Stay tuned to the next episode for the concluding episode of Occupational Wellness with Farida Jama. We've now come to the end of the show today. If you have enjoyed our show, like us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at AstroWello, A-S-K-T-R-I-O-W-E-L-L-O. Send us your feedback to shazana at astrowello.com. Visit our website at astrowello.com and subscribe to Astro About Wellness Podcast. Woohoo!